What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Titletown, South Florida, the Miami Herald's high school sports show. My name is Andre Fernandez. I'm the Miami Herald's high school deputy sports editor. Used to be the high school sports editor, now deputy sports editor. And I'm back, as always, with my co-pilot on this show, David Wilson, who are one of our sports writers who's covered high schools himself for a long time. We thank you for joining us once again. And we have another jam-packed episode with a lot of action, a lot of highlights this week, because there were a lot of highlights in South Florida with the games that we saw. One of the big ones, of course, was a Traz Powell on Friday night at the Mecca, as our as our friend Willie Wilcox says up in the press box. Central and Columbus's duel of nationally ranked teams lived up to the hype and then some at game of the year potential. Then we're going to also look the day before at Traz. Homestead took on Northwestern. If you thought the Broncos were out of it, guess again, because kind of the same way as the Bulls, they got their quarterback back and they are right back in the thick of things. And then... Also, we go down to Tropical Park where Norland and Palmetto had a nice duel down there. David was down there, saw Norland pretty much established dominance behind their offense, a big win for them. They're not only looking like they're going to be a playoff team, probably even host a playoff game. And then we're also going to have the, the treat that we have for you this week is we're going to continue our series looking at the playoff picture. Last week, we took a look at 4M and 3M. This week, we're going to go down and look at 2M, the the, the great 2M that has all the contenders and and the gauntlet someone's going to have to survive. And then, of course, 1M, where Chaminade is the favorite. But a team like Archbishop Carroll is making some noise. They had a big win on Friday. They 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 secured their first district championship in 14 years. Coach George Zagalis down there is back with the Bulldogs. So we'll take a look at all of that. But, David, like we talked about, that game Friday, I know it blew all, all, all of us away at how crazy it got. First off, the way Central came out and then the way Columbus responded. What would you think of that? Yeah, like you said, game of the year, at least so far. Obviously, we'll have some good matchups coming uh, in the next few weeks here once the playoffs get started. But uh, yeah, Central up 28 at halftime. We all thought maybe we were headed for a running clock, but Columbus gets the ball out of halftime, scores 21 unanswered in the third. Um, I, we were both out there. Uh, you were covering it because I felt like it was a game at AC Championship. Um, and my big takeaway is the quarterback play was spectacular on both sides. Uh, Kwan Jenkins was uh, has been one of the best quarterbacks in Dade County for the last few years. Obviously, he's quarterback central to their last couple state championships. Uh, but Alberto Mendoza, who actually took over for his older brother, Fernando Mendoza, as uh, Columbus's quarterback, was also spectacular. Um, the quality of quarterbacks in Dade County, you touched on Josh Townsend at Homestead. Obviously, Tiger Dickens, uh, who was our player of the year last year at Northwestern. Um, the quality of quarterback play in Dade County right now is is really good, and it's a big part of why I think our teams, um, which are always really good, feel maybe even better than than they have been in some past years. I I, I see multiple quarterbacks on all day in our future. I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be hard to decide on some <laughs> of these spots because there's there's so yeah. many of them. And we're gonna we're gonna look at those four you mentioned. We're gonna look at Enio Yapor, another one at Norland who had a great game the other night once again. But let's start with those Rockets, who are ranked number yep. three in the nation. And for a reason, they're ranked the top team, uh, top team down here, top team in the state overall. Like like David mentioned, they built a 35-7 halftime lead, basically doing whatever they wanted on offense against a very good Columbus defense. Here's a clip of one of the the stars of this game was Lamar Seymour, pit commit. Here's here's his uh, first touchdown catch. I always love when the ball gets there and the woo from the crowd, uh, uh, whether it's Traz or anywhere. But uh, it's a great game. Seven catches, 182 yards for, for Seymour, who's a pit commit right now. And it looked like 
it was like you said, it looked like it was headed for for a running clock. We're going to get out of there, but nope. Columbus was having none of that. Here's Alberto Mendoza, the aforementioned Alberto Mendoza, with a with actually with a rushing TD he had before the comeback. And so then at 35-7, all I know is Dave Dunn must have given a heck of a halftime speech, or somebody did, because the Explorers came out firing, and here's one that Mendoza fired himself over to Daryl Harper for a touchdown. So all of a sudden, Traz is is just electric on both sides. The Columbus crowd that showed up and was packing the stands on the visiting side. But Central punches back after Columbus had that 21-0 third quarter. Lewayne McCoy had two touchdown catches on the, on the day, one from Keon Jenkins. And let's, took, let's take a look at that one, which put Central ahead by two touchdowns late. But once again, here comes Columbus. Take a look. But in the end, Columbus had one more chance, or actually two more chances. But in the end, this is the this is the part right here where we've talked about at length this year so far in all these episodes. And we're going to continue to talk about why Central, what sep- one of the things that separates Central the most is the kind of elite playmakers that they have on defense. Here's Ruben Bain. Wasn't even a sack. He had three on the night. This one wasn't even a sack, but it was the key turning point of the game. And why? Because there was an intentional grounding there. That pushed them back. And then Columbus ends up missing a field goal. They end up having the punt. Have to go all, you know, burn all their timeouts, have to drive back again. And this time, Stanquan Clark, another elite talent on that defense who had two fumble recoveries in this game. Here's the second. Here's the two forced fumbles, excuse me. And here's the second one. So a huge win for the Rockets. And now, you look at them as, again, still proving, again, why they're the favorite to run the gauntlet in 2M. But credit to Columbus. I mean, I think they, they made a big statement as to why they're the they, – to me, that they have to be the 4M favorite at this point. Yeah, I think we both felt that. I don't think this game changed the way we thought about Central. We thought they were the clear favorite in 2M. Um, in 4M, I think both of us thought that Columbus had – both of us were impressed with the way they handled – uh, Northwestern, even with all the injuries Northwestern had a few weeks ago, they had a great win against Jesuit earlier in the year. I uh, had a good win against Homestead a few weeks ago, but yeah, this was a game that like they they rose to the challenge against a team that's legitimately one of the five best teams in the entire country, um, and did not look out of place. And most impressively, they they didn't go away. Right? They they, they could have just packed it in there, um, but. Their defense was spectacular in the third quarter. Their defense was really spectacular for the entire second half. Uh, Central didn't do a whole lot offensively, um, and I, I think they've got um, they've got a lot. They, they're very well coached. They've got a great quarterback, and they've got a lot, a lot of talent on that defense. And uh, that's a, a, a great recipe, obviously. 
Yeah. And, and, and that's the, like you said, I mean, to, to shut down central for, for almost an entire half on the, on the offensive side, not easy for mm-hmm. anyone. They held them to seven in the second half. And then what Mendoza did too, four touchdown passes and one rushing that just shows you. And he has a great arsenal of, of receivers as well, as you saw in some of these clips. Let's take a look at what central coach Jude Joseph had to say after the game. Right. You talk about that, just like that last drive to come up in the club. I mean, that's just, that's just the culture, man. Fight to the end. Um, and, 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 you know, we're going to be some tough games like this. It's going to build character and uh, basically showcase our, our talent uh, as, a, as a team in its entirety. Obviously, a tough opponent and stuff. Big halftime lead. Did you, what did you sense the guys coming out of halftime? Um, I, I just think uh, for us, um, they're, they're fighters. I mean, they're undefeated. You know, they practice too. Um, and, and, and they're high in, in the rank, the state rankings as well. And they're, and, and they're, and they're was the, uh, the top team in the South for a reason. They showed that, they fought, but our kids fought a little harder tonight. What did you see from your guys, especially at the end? Um, I just saw resilience. I saw a fight. I've, I've seen it all the time in practice, and they showcased it tonight. The talent of Lamar to bring those some of those uh, big plays down, you know, the catch that Seymour had tonight. You know, just talk about just the talent of him being able to do big, big plays uh, uh, like he, that. He just uh, did a great job stepping up as a leader and being a big play guy for us out there. We just did a great job for that. Uh, Bain with a big, you know, force in the uh, the pressure the, 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 the pressure to force the intentional grounding, which push him into field goal range. Right, right. And I mean, it was, we knew coming in that it was going to be a little, you know, definitely discipline ball to win. And, and, and at the end of the day, we did it at the right time. Yeah, and, and now Central pretty much in cruise mode until the playoffs. And we'll talk a little bit later about the 2M picture and where they kind of stand, what they might be facing. But let's let's time jump back a day at Trask, at the Mecca and look at this uh, big homestead win as they defeated Northwestern right after they had come off that Southridge loss. And why? Because we saw the effect getting your QB1 back had on the Bulls last week with Tiger Dickens. Well, now Joshua Townsend was back. He threw four touchdown passes. He threw three two-point conversion passes as well. Homestead doesn't kick extra points, so those were huge as well to keep that that lead growing against the Bulls. Here's the first of four. Here's one of the four TD passes that he had. This one's a Cortez Mills. When you look at why the Broncos built this lead and, and, and jumped all over Northwestern, they were up 28-0 midway through the second quarter. It's because this kept happening every other play in the first half to Northwestern. I mean, six turnovers. You can't – even if you're as good as you are, you, you turn the ball over six times, it's going to cost you. But saying that, Northwestern still cut it to eight points early in the second half. Here's a touchdown pass from Dickens to Adam Moore. And then that set up a situation where Homestead needed a response. They're seeing their their lead dwindle away, 20-gun answered by Northwestern. While Tremaine Brown, one of their top athletes, he responded with a long kickoff return, got it down close. And then from there, Homestead extended the lead again, and their defense made the big plays. Their secondary, which has kind of been, you know, hit up pretty good by some some opposing offenses this year. Well, they made the big play in this game. Take a look. And that was it. At 44-28, the Broncos, who, David, even though they didn't win the district by points, 
they will still be, as of right now, they'd still be the top seed in that region. Pretty funny how them and Booker T both had those deflating district title costing losses, and yet they still could be, one one case, the top seed, and the other case still could be the two seed. Homestead and Booker T right there still have to be considered contenders. Yeah, uh, Homestead, you know, I mean, like you said, it, it all comes down to the quarterback for them. Obviously, you know, they, they're not going to get, well, how many takeaways did it end up being? Five, six, six seven, six. eight? Between yeah, it Miami, felt like seven, between it felt like Northwestern, seven, uh, the, the Dolphins game last night. You saw a lot of you saw a lot of turnovers this weekend, Andre. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously that's not going to happen every game. But again, uh, Homestead is, you know, we're I, I think we we said it last week. We're looking forward to see a potential matchup with Southridge because when that team is healthy, um, they're really really good. I mean, they they've had a lot of impressive wins this year. Again, three M is tough because you're you're stuck with St. Thomas Aquinas, but that team is. Um, Really good and still really young. Uh, I mean, Josh Townsend will be back next year. Uh, Isaac Brown will be back next year. They're, they're going to be um, really good probably once again next year. Uh, Cortez Mills, only a sophomore. So a lot of their their biggest playmakers, at least on the offensive side of the ball, are, are young guys. So, um, you know, they, they just keep building in a really impressive way over the last few years here. Yeah, and one thing you mentioned, Isaac Brown. I feel like they just haven't really unleashed him yet. I feel like they 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 they, they give him the ball a few times a game, but I, I wonder if that's by design. I wonder if they're kind of saving him for the postseason. If that's the if that is what's going on, that's going to take them even to an even more dangerous level in the playoffs because that kid's a monster. I mean, the combination of power and speed that he brings. Mm-hmm. So it'll it'll be interesting to see for sure. But uh, speaking of those tornadoes, they got back on track this week with a thirty-five twenty-one win over Southridge basically sticking to the same formula that's got them there all year between their running game and defense. Here's the running game as Gerald Modest takes it to the house early in the game. Touchdown, Tornado. Touchdown run is by Gerald Modest. And, but as we saw, so Southridge, another team that we talked about at length last week, you know, they young team, Getting better, improving. Obviously, they're going to take some, you know, some lumps when they face teams of the caliber of Booker T. But they hung, they hung in there, and we saw an example of that. And Damari Charlton, right before the half, connected with Cameron Owens on one of the key touchdowns that that kept things close for a little bit. Take a look. But in the end, just too much defense, as we talked about, for the Tornadoes. South, Southridge got close right before the half. Looked like they were going to get – they were going to cut that deficit even more. But a big play by Ben Hanks, Jr. Take a look. One kid that's really impressed me, though, I mean, we talked about their defense, but on the offensive side, I think Antoine Smith has had a great year. He passed the 1,000-yard mark in this game. Big running back, a lot of you know power combo, but, but Ice Harris, the coach of Booker T, talked about the way they're trying to make him a little lighter, you know, get him a little faster. He's going to run track. He's a junior. He's going to run track mm-hmm. this coming spring, and I think that's going to just make him that much more dangerous of a running back. Here's Ice Harris talking a little bit about the evolution of Antoine Smith as a running back and of his team as they, as they get to the playoffs, just playing to their strengths. 
just talk about the bounce back, you know, after a tough game against Northwestern last week, just to be able to come out and, you know, get this one. And we know it's going to be tough, man, watching what Coach Pierre and his staff is doing with his, with his team in his first year. Same as us, man. He really putting it together the right way. We saw that on video. And it was going to be tough. But for us to be able to, to get back into it, to get this win, that was big for us. You know, we had an opportunity to really take the next phase and really get away with it. But there's a lot of things that we got to continue to work on, you know, with our young team about finishing and not being so selfish to a sense. How much do you enjoy coaching against the guy that you saw kind of grow up as a coach? Uh, like, like no, Pierre. that's great, man. Pierre was a part of a part of us at Booker T and how we started him when he came to Booker T as a social studies teacher. He was a part of what we do in our tree. So, you know, that's, that's who we are, you know, and his team showed, you know, who we are and together in terms of how we came together and how we grew up and just paying attention to details and it's showing and it's coaching and stuff like that. And so it's really going to be a team to be reckoned with as they continue to keep playing. You guys started off fast, you had a good first quarter and a little bit of letdown, then you kind of picked it up. How'd you see the, the guys? No, that's what we have to make sure we do as offensively, technically, that we just got to understand, like, our team is a little different this year than we've been in the past. In the past, you know, and our coordinators are guys who played for us and they was receivers and we threw the ball all over the place. You know, now our team is not built like that right now. Our team is built more in running the football. And we got to have that patience to understand, like, that's who we are now. Well, we might be next year or a year after that, then we'll deal with that. But this year, team, we got away from what we're good at, and that's running the football. Well, speak to that because Antoine had a big day, and I guess over a thousand. Uh, I think he's over a thousand for the yeah, season he's over now. 1, yeah. Yeah, just for yeah. his impact and coming up big. And yeah, and that's been great for him. You know, we've been wanting him to be able to, to turn that corner off of, you know, his previous year, your kid who grew up overtime playing for overtime optimists. Got on the heavy side. Now we're bringing his weight down under control for him to show that he can be an elite top back, you know, not just in the state of Florida, but in the country. So recruiting is now picking up for him. They're seeing a difference in who we are and how he run the football. So we want him to keep running with that passion and that love for the game the way he did today. Sky's the limit if uh, he keeps the, that going. Uh, hopefully a college notices uh, Antoine pretty soon. He's one of the better backs uh, in town and, and across South Florida. But now let's go to Tropical Park where you were there, David, on Thursday night. Big win for Norland, taking down Palmetto. Pretty much solidified their status like we talked about. One of the quarterbacks that we were mentioning before, Ennio Yapur. We've seen how good this kid can be. Here he is showing off his arm early on in this game. Oh, yeah! But Palmetto was not done. They the Panthers hung in there for a little bit. Jacory Barney made one of the best plays I saw. I've seen all year. I mean that that you know, like they say on Good Morning Football, the toe drag swag. He dropped it there in the corner. Check this out. That had to rival that Steelers catch last night in the in the corner of the end zone. The way that the, the way it was able to bring the feet down, but too many weapons. And Norland, Javin Simpkins had another big game running the football. That's one of the things Norland does best. And here's a look at Simpkins as part of the way the Vikings put the game away. He's 
So there you have it. Norland 35-14. David, what, do you, what do you, I mean, the Vikings, could they, could they make some noise in this region? I mean, are they starting to look like they can get some momentum? Maybe you have a shot? Said, that region's tough, as we obviously have discussed. Um, you know, they've lost to a lot of the other teams in there, so it's hard to, like, view them as a major threat just because, you know, they've, they've lost their head-to-head matchups with teams in that district. But, um, you know, talking to Daryl Heidelberg after the game, uh, longtime coach here who won a state championship there uh, back when Duke Johnson was running for, for the Vikings. Um, you know, the big thing we wound up kind of talking a lot about was Ennio Yapor, who obviously led Champagnat to a state championship appearance last year as a freshman. Champagnat shuts down. Um, he ends up going to Norland. And he said just like the confidence that the team has now. Um, you know, not that Norland has been bad in the last few years, but they haven't been, you know, we've, we've seen the highs that Norland can reach. Uh, and any Opor has, has changed the way that, you know, they, they know that in any game they have, if not the best quarterback on the field, a quarterback who can win them a game. Um, and right now they know they've got that for a couple of years. So I, I think it's going to be tough for them to really compete in 2M uh, Region 4 this year just because of how good that region is. But looking forward, I think they feel like any Opor is a building block um, to to get back to where they know they can get. Yeah, I think on the defensive side, especially if they can beef that up, maybe in the next year or two, to kind of get to that level where they can hang with, you know, with the Northwest and the Central, mm-hmm. those teams, you know, and they could run into one of them again. I mean, they already ran into Central, and Central ran into yeah. them, but but yeah. Northwestern could be an intriguing one if they end up matching up in the postseason. So, without further ado, let's jump right into this uh, into this two M one M picture. Let's start first with one M though, where there was a good win last week. We mentioned it before about uh, for Archbishop Carroll a program that really had fallen off to the point where pretty much didn't even exist, I think, for a little while or, or didn't seem like it. And now George Zagales gets back there, starts energizing that program once again, and they've made strides. They're 7-1, and one, and it's behind this power running game of theirs that amassed over 400 yards the other day against Westminster Christian, 50-15 to 15 over the previously unbeaten Westminster Christian Warriors. And when you look at that region right now, they don't have to face Chaminade until potentially the state semifinals. From the looks of it, if the points they were they were trailing Westminster on the points before that win, they, the state hasn't updated that yet for this week. But I got to think maybe they'll vault them into the top spot in Region Four One M, creating a possible matchup between them and maybe Palmer Trinity, a seemingly winnable game for them. And then on the other side of that, if Westminster faces True North, True North is their one loss this year, but it happened on a miracle play at the end of the game where they kind of, you know, a bunch of laterals similar to the Dolphins play a few years ago. So if Carroll gets over that, you're looking at a potential where Carroll could end up facing Chaminade. I mean, again, they'd be a heavy underdog, but the job that Coach Zagalas has done, I mean, it, it's, you know, ground and pound. They'd barely throw the ball. Alejandro uh, Isaza was one of the guys that had 180 yards and four touchdowns in this game. We have him nominated for one of our Player of the Week spots. It's pretty remarkable the, ter- the quick turnaround that, that Carroll has had. Yeah, and, and the thing in these smaller classifications, especially 1M where it's basically all private schools, is, you know, private schools can, can ebb and flow even more than, than public schools can. Like, obviously, Chaminade's great right now, and as long as Damian Jones is there, they're going to be great. And, you know, maybe they'll be great forever now. Um, but sometimes a coach leaves, and all of a sudden a void pops up. Um, and just a, a team like Carroll, like you said, that is – was once a good program, really fell on hard times, building them back up to get them to the point where, like you said, they're not going to beat Chaminade this year in all likelihood, but they're at least getting back into the mix where 
um, they can build towards something. Kind of like I said with New Orleans, like you, you got to start somewhere, and and that's what you said. For, first time in fourteen years, they're, they're a district champion. Yeah, I mean, that, that obviously that that means something. Yeah, two thousand eight when they got to they got to the regional final that year. The year before mm-hmm. though, in 07, they got to the state semis and Gulliver. That was when Gulliver was pretty loaded. Right. Not um, uh, Dorian Mallory. I think those guys were there at the time. And, and they ended up going to state at Carroll's expense. And then kind of the program kind of fell off after Zagalis wasn't there anymore. And, but now they're back and with the same, the, the same guy leading the way. So uh, we'll take, we'll see what Carroll does in the playoffs. We'll see how far they can make it. And then now going up one region to where Chaminade is at. I mean, they've been destroying everybody in their district. Destroying doesn't even put it lightly the way they've been. Even avant-garde, who has some talented players, they took them down 63 to nothing this past week. It looks like the only challenger in that region where it's shaping up. It, look, it could be a rematch in the first round with avant-garde, but in the second round, in the regional finals, we know 1M is a little smaller. You only mm-hmm. have to win four games to win the title in that one. It could be them against undefeated Cardinal Newman, which is coached by uh, Jack Daniels, the longtime coach at, at Palm Beach Gardens Dwyer for a long time. All those great teams he had up there. He's turned Newman around. But again, Chaminade will be the favorite, but this could be an intriguing one. Yeah, Newman is, again, we don't cover Palm Beach County really on this show, but by all accounts, they're the team to beat right now in Palm Beach County. One of the best coaches in the state there. Um, I'll, I'd be fascinated to see that matchup eventually. I, I guess we're going to get it. Benjamin is also pretty good up in that region. Um, a lot of talent there, although I, I don't think they've had the win-loss record necessarily to stack up with it. But, um, again, it's got Chaminade, another top-five team in the country, a legitimate national championship contender if things break right uh, over the next two months here um but i would i'm i'm fascinated to see what kind of a matchup newman can give them because that's a team with a lot of talent and a great coach there too yeah and then you mentioned before benjamin they had a close one the other day with gulliver went down to the wire the Gulliver pulled it out at the end 21 14 so that's a that's a solid squad too yeah they would match up with newman in that first round which would be a, a solid matchup but yeah barring an upset I, I'm excited to see if we can get that Newman Chaminade game in the second round. Mostly just I'm excited to see what this Newman team looks like. They've, they've obviously right. had some a lot. You know, they've had some pretty good teams over the last few years, but this is the best they've been in in a long time. Yeah, and I think Newman, if I remember correctly, Newman is going to face Gulliver. Um, not this yeah, week. Last week, week. Of the season. Yep. Yeah, so that'll give us a glimpse. I mean, I don't know. If, you know, it depends on obviously if everybody plays. It's the last week of the season. You know how it is. Mm-hmm. It might be all wrapped up, but you get a little bit of a look at them as well. But yeah, let's jump now. Obviously, let's go. This is the one that we wanted to, to dive in and, and and just chew up here with all the great teams in it. But let's start we at the top. An hour on two M. Yeah, there's so many. There's so well, and again, that's the part where you know I've been vocal about how this this should not be clustered the way it is. But but it is what it is, and we'll deal with it for the next two years at least. But uh, let's look at that region three two M, and that's where American Heritage and Gibbons are are the kings of this side of the bracket. Uh, we, we saw that game between them that Heritage basically won because they had more offense. You know, Gibbons' defense was doing everything that day, 21-2 win on a Saturday out there. But it looks like, from the looks of it now, they'll be the top two teams in that region hosting playoff games, likely against the combo of either Pinecrest or St. Andrews. And then the other teams in this region, Calvary Christians had a pretty good season, 6-2 yeah. uh, and two so far. They, they had a little setback the other day. Actually, it was Benjamin that beat Calvary Christian the other day. Mm-hmm. They gave them their second loss. But they're still in position probably to host a playoff game against whoever comes out of that Inlet Grove, Kings Academy, Palm Beach side of it. And then that 
the other team out of that matchup would end up facing Boynton Beach in another first-round matchup there. But uh, Calvary, they, they went up against Gibbons earlier this year, did not go well. They lost 33 to nothing. So really this region, we're just waiting for that Heritage-Gibbons rematch. And it is kind of cool that at least it'll happen if, if everything holds true in that third round. I mean, we were both there, like you said, one watching, one covering that Saturday. I mean, if, if this happens again, can Gibbons find any offense to, to flip this thing? Or is Heritage just, you know, foregone conclusion? I don't want to say a foregone conclusion because, you know, doubt at the buck at your own risk, right? Every year it feels right. like we come in and we're <laughs> like, this team does not have the talent of some of the other teams that, like, we put them in the same class tier as. Um, but, yeah, I mean, American Heritage made a real statement in that game. And, and Gibbons had, you know, their offense has not been great all year long. Um, so they've got a lot to prove there, but they've got a, you know, their quarterback, Dylan Risk, is, is committed to UCF and, and a really good running quarterback, especially. Like, could you see a situation where he breaks off a couple long runs and, you know, maybe they, you know, Jesse Anderson, Pitt commit, uh, wide receiver, did not play in that game either. Um, so there's some reasons to think that it will go better for Gibbons, if only, you know, and just it's a rivalry game, like, you don't usually get blown out twice by your rival, right? I mean, we, we saw like Northwestern Central last year, right? That that one game was a blowout, one was really close. Um, but it's hard to pick Gibbons over Heritage right now, considering what we saw, uh, I guess, about a month ago now. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, if they, if they don't, I'll put it this way if they don't get any offense going, forget it. Kamari Moulton's yeah. another one, you know, running back that has to have a good game. They have to be able to run the football a little bit, but they do have to hit in those big plays and most importantly, not turn the ball over because they, right. even in that game, they still had a chance. They were getting close to maybe get making it a one score game. And then we saw Brandon Ennis make that pick and turn the tide at the end and, and basically seal the deal for them. So, but yeah, they, like you said, Gibbons has had the tendency to get better as the year goes on. And I think we've seen that even with that loss to heritage. So be fun to watch. They get three, four, no, I think four more weeks until that potential rematch. This time it'll be at American Heritage because they'll be the right. home team. So, but either way, no matter where those two teams play, it should be a great, a great one. So now let's go to the region right below 4-2-M. And that's the where all the heavy units are. The group of death. Yeah, if this was FIFA, this would definitely be the group of death. And uh, at the top, we talked uh, plenty about Central. We know they're going to be the top seed. Uh, barring a disaster here in the last week. But uh, even then, I think they've built enough of a cushion. The interesting part is right now, the points haven't updated yet, like we said, but Booker T, by a slim margin, could is right behind Northwestern for that two seed. Now, Northwestern's coming off the loss to Homestead, Booker T off the victory. They might flip-flop, which could put them in the two spot, Northwestern. It doesn't really matter in terms of them together, but they may end up facing each other in the second round. But let's look at those first round matchups. My apologies to St. Brendan. Congratulations on winning that district a couple of year, a couple of weeks ago, but they would have to face Central in the first round. So, Coach Smith, great year. Sorry about <laughs> the matchups there. Jackson would face Booker T, which we saw that already earlier this year. That was lot. That was a bit of a lopsided matchup. Jackson. Playoff team has, has come a long way this year under Coach John Harris, but Booker T should get past. The The interesting one here is Gulliver against Northwestern if it paired up that way right now. It also could be Gulliver-Booker T in the first round if things flip. Can the Raiders, who have rebounded from that 0-3 start and can lock up the district, we'll talk about that game a little later, but can the Raiders hang with a Booker T, with a Northwestern? Are they ready for that yet? 
They've definitely got some talent. I mean, we wrote about I wrote about them in the preseason because they had uh, I think three. And when you looked at the recruiting rankings, three right. of the top ten players in Dade County for uh, the, this senior class. Um, you know, Jalen Brown, obviously a five-star wide receiver, uh, good quarterback, and Davy Belfort. Um, I know they're young, and and that's kind of they've kind of thought all year long this is going to be a little bit of a retooling year. I don't want to say rebuilding year when you have a, a talent group of talent like they have. Um, Denver's Booker T, I think, would be pretty interesting. Um, I think, again, maybe like the top end talent edge goes to Gulliver. Obviously, Booker T just has been better than them this year. Don't see them in the the tier of the Centrals and Northwesterns necessarily, but um, you know they're a team that I haven't seen in person actually all year. Um, hopefully, I'll get to see them in one of these last few weeks, maybe against Newman in the last week of the season. Um, but that. They've got a talent, you know, Jalen Brown can single-handedly win you a game, and they've got a good quarterback. It's another quarterback I didn't mention earlier, but, um, you know, he's got a lot of big-time offers too, only junior. Um, so they, they play South Miami this week, and we'll talk about that game in a little bit. But, um, you know, it's been, I think, a little bit of an underwhelming season for them. They started in the top 100 according to Max Preps national rankings, which I think they would have told you probably was too high. Um, but – I think have gotten better as the year has gone on too. Remember they, they started the year with a really ugly loss up at, it was at Rockledge, I think in week one or yeah. um, so they've gotten better as the year has gone on. We'll, we'll see how they finish out this year. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like if you look at it, I mean, they're, they're a better team than they were obviously in weeks one through three, but yeah. Shamanad did take it to them and Shamanad, a team of that caliber of a yeah. Booker team, better, better in, in theory that some would think, but, yeah, when you look at those elite, I mean, Newman would be a good chance to see them uh, 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 for sure because then you kind of see how they would match up against some of that upper-tier competition. But I think it's depth. I mean, up front in the trenches mm-hmm. is where these teams make their mark, and I don't know if Gulliver has that, uh, uh, even though they have all that great skill talent. But to round out that region in the first round, this matchup again, I don't know if you know the the, the team on the rise kind of not quite there yet, but it is – the neighborhood kind of old school rivalry. Carroll City right now would match up with Norland. You know the the Miami Gardens matchup there against the Norland area. That all those kids know each other. It's a great game. No, I think Norland obviously has the edge in that one, but Carroll City has come a long way this season and and really improved. And right now the Chiefs would stand to make the postseason again, which is good for their program. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, again, yeah. like we're. Really, just a really deep district or really deep region. Um, yeah. And I think I said a couple of weeks ago, the quote unquote inner city schools. I know the, the Miami Garden schools don't technically count, but the Traz schools, I guess we could call them for lack yeah. of a better word. The Traz home schools, um, yep. Yeah, all all very good right now. Which um, it's you know even Jackson, which is a team that has not made the playoffs in a long time, you mentioned right now in in position to be the seven seed. Um, just a, a really really good time right now for Traz inner city Miami football. Definitely. And, and if we look at this week, we, uh, we remind you that we have our player of the week polls that are up as usual at MiamiHerald.com. If you look under the high school sports page, remember to vote for who you think is the best athlete in Miami-Dade and Broward County. Guys, we just talked about on this show, Lamar Seymour, Alberto Mendoza of Columbus, Homestead's Joshua Townsend, uh, Archbishop Carroll's Alejandro Isaza, what he did this week, all nominated on the volleyball side. Gabriella Butler for Palmer Trinity had a great uh, game last week to win the district championship for them. Regional playoffs have arrived in volleyball, David. So at some point, got to get out to the court and see some some of the best athletes on that in that sport. They're getting ready to ramp up into the regionals there. And in Broward, a few more of them that we'll talk about here real quick. Michaela Porter of St. Thomas Aquinas, 
Alexander Bruno, of course, rings charter. Both those teams also won their districts and have a chance to make some noise in the regionals. Jade Scott, a golfer at Coral Glades, successfully defended her BCAA golf championship. That was another nominee that we have on there. And for football, Mark Fletcher, who we've talked a lot on, about on this show, the Ohio State commit, 184 yards and two touchdowns. Not easy to win in Naples, but Heritage did by three touchdowns. So they continue their role. But how about DeAndre Desenor at North Broward Prep? We know North Broward Prep's not one of these powerhouse teams, but 306 yards, seven touchdowns, school record seven touchdowns, and a win over Coral Springs Charter. This Desenor kid can pretty much play anywhere, yeah, I think. He's legit. I mean, he's going to be a guy we're going to be talking about for the next three years, um, wherever he no, – no matter where what North Prep is doing. Yeah, right. or where he's playing. Like, he's going to be a uh, – you know, he's already got a ton of scholarship offers in the top 124-7s uh, rankings for the class of 2025. I mean, he is he is as good a running back, uh, an athlete, really, because he does a whole bunch of different stuff, I think, at North Barrow Prep as there is in South Florida for that class. Well, now we go to our picks of the week. And just a disclaimer here, you're not going to hear a lot of the powerhouse names, if any at all, in this one, because most of them are facing teams that really, honestly, we think they're going to be pretty handily this week. Wrap it up to so we're going to go, a lot of people. So, yeah. In a lot of, yeah. So, so we picked a few meaningful games in terms of some, mm-hmm. some that could decide districts and teams we don't normally talk about. First one, I think, is an intriguing matchup. I know both teams have had their ups and downs, but Crop, Dr. Crop, is taking on MacArthur uh, down at Isa State's Park. And it's interesting because MacArthur is coached by former Miami Dolphins linebacker Kevin Burnett. They can wrap up the district. If they don't, here's this new system at play where in the past, if Crop wins this game, they would end up in a three-way tie with MacArthur and South Broward. But instead of what they used to do in the old days, which was settle it on the field in a three-way tiebreaker, now it's by the point system. Neither one of those teams would end up winning the district. It would be South Broward, who happened to lose to MacArthur 30-7 to the week before. So talk about, you know, MacArthur's going to feel real, real gypped if they lose this game, thinking they not only let the, the district slip away, but they let it slip away to a team that they beat by 23 points the week before. But, I mean, I, looking at this matchup, I mean, Crop's been hard to peg all year. They... They, they blow yeah. up some weeks. They struggle other weeks. They're kind of hovering around that five and five mark. I think I'm going to go with MacArthur just because of what they've been able to do this year. And Coach Burnett's done a good job with that, with restoring the Mustangs down there. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I'll go with Crop. I, I made the playoffs last year. Uh, another, like you said, they're, you know, they, they beat Miami High in the first week of the season. Uh, they beat Avant Garde Academy uh, early in the year. And then, you know, they get, destroyed by pace they like you, they're looking at their schedule Southridge too close, yeah. close loss to Jackson like they're they're a really hard team to peg but yeah um, they're well coached made the playoffs last year I'll, I'll trust that pedigree yeah they've done yeah they've done an outstanding job as well and uh let's go to it now we shift to Broward County where this one and uh we're recording a little bit this is going to come out after it happens but we're going to just assume that Plantation took care of business and won the Mayor's Cup beat South Plantation that sets up 2-0 versus 2-0 for the district title. Them and Piper, a team that's kind of also under the radar, but has had a pretty good running game this season, and, and that's led them to a few good victories. So them and the Bengals in Sunrise on Friday night. I got to go with, of course, I got to go with the Colonels because I think yeah. Steve Davis does a tremendous job. He's always got those teams. You know, he doesn't have all the talent in the world like some of these other schools, but he has a few talented kids. I saw them against Dillard. 
It was a lopsided loss, but they had moments where you could see yeah. a few of those skill guys. I think they roll in this one. They take the district. What do you think? Yeah, they're perennially one of the best public school programs in Broward County. I mean, it's obviously Dillard is a, a step above everyone else right now. Um, but them and Miramar are kind of like the next two, and they're right in that mix every year. I'll go with Plantation. Yeah, and now let's go back to Dade County. Here's the matchup we talked about before, uh, or a couple teams we mentioned briefly before, but this is a bit of also a neighbor, neighborhood rivalry. Uh, we have Miami Edison taking on Miami Jackson. It hasn't been a good year for Edison, as we know, a lot of, you know, underwhelming for what they hope to accomplish this year, but they could still spoil it for Jackson. Jackson is right on that tier where if they don't, if they don't solidify it, they're in danger of slipping out of the playoffs if, with a couple of losses here at the end. Edison is sort of on the outside looking in yeah. right now because of the losses they've had. But if they finish strong, they get two wins. You never know. Maybe they get enough points to sneak in as possibly a seventh or eighth seed. So a little bit on the line in this one. And I think it, this one can go down to the wire. I like what Jackson's done this year. I think they're the favorite. What do you think? Yeah, I think um, both teams should basically be treating this as a playoff game. I, I, I know this time of year, you, you got to do some math. I know most coaches don't like to. You don't want to – You don't. I mean, I don't like to. So if I'm coach of both these teams, I'm selling it as you win and you're in. I know Edison has probably some more work to do than just that. Um, but, yeah, I, I think this is – to me, these are these are two teams that are both have a lot of talent. Um, both, if they get into the playoffs, it's going to be tough because they're going to probably have to play Northwestern, like you said, um, or Booker T or someone like that. So, um, but I think view this as a playoff game. I'll go with Jackson, though. I think they've been just a little bit more consistent than Edison, and I love the Lumen Twins in the defensive end. Those guys are are legit, great uh, edge rushers uh, for Jackson, which is a team that is uh, we talked a little bit about. A couple of times throughout this year, uh, they were really, really down for, for a long time and, and now look like they're they're climbing back in the right direction. Yeah, I went with the generals in my column this week, too, uh, for some of the reasons you said right now. And I think they've been probably the more consistent team. The only times that they've lost is when they've been overmatched, say, against right. the Northwestern or someone like that. But against other teams, the crop game was an adventure. I think they only won eight to six. But other than that, they've taken care of business. Edison's kind of been more up and down. They've been in some of the games with some of the better teams. It wouldn't shock me if they pulled it off because they do have the talent to make it happen. Yeah. But I'm going to go with Jackson in this one. Like you yeah, said. Ray Ray Joseph can single-handedly win you the game. So Yeah, you never know. He maybe returns a kick and suddenly gets a couple turnovers. Who knows? But uh, And the final game, which, again, not I don't see it as much of a, of a in terms of a close game, but just to give a nod to Gulliver and the, the, the turnaround that they've had. They face South Miami. They have a chance to lock up their district this weekend. South Miami at first, I saw them against Homestead. There's some talent on that team. Coach Artie's Knight has done a good job with that squad to kind of build them back up to, to where they had fallen to in the past. But I think Gulliver just has too much skill, like you were talking about before. And, and South Miami's had a couple of tough losses in recent weeks, one to Killian that surprised me a little bit. So I'm going with the Raiders here to, to cement their playoff position and then get ready for those big tests that lie ahead. Yep, yeah, I got Gulliver here. And then they wrap up, like we said, with Newman and then playoff time. So they've got uh, – this is kind of like – I don't want to say get right because they just beat Benjamin, which is good. Like that's a good win they had uh, pretty recently. Um, but wrap things up here, then you really get to focus in on trying to play your best football once the playoffs get here because we know they have it in them with, with the talent they have. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the one of the players that – you really have to take your hat off to, I mean, 18 sacks this season so far for Lamont Green Jr. He's yep. had 
an incredible year for them. I know you mentioned Jalen Brown and others that they have, but Lamont has had a phenomenal season. Boots, as they call him, you know, just he's a, he's a beast. You know, his dad was a beast back in the day, too, uh, for FSU. So we'll see what he can do in the playoffs. And that wraps it up for this week. You know, another jam-packed edition like we talked about in Week 10. We'll be back for Week 11 next week. I'm sure you'll see Gulliver in there when we talk about that matchup against Newman and plenty of, of others. You can catch us at MiamiHerald.com on the high school page. Also, check us out on YouTube. Remember to vote on the polls as we do every week. And until then, we appreciate your support of this show. Please continue to watch, and we wish you guys the best. Enjoy the final week, the final couple of weeks of this regular season of football, everybody. Take care. Thank you.